0: The daily news thank you for being with us as always at tsn underscore marsh is where you can find me tweeting pictures of my paddleboard on weekends that i'm not working for the cfl on tsn on the other side of the zoom chat it is mike daily of course at Daily News 8 is where you find him. And we are brought to you by our good friends at Fox 40. Start your season off right with products from Fox 40. Outfit your coaching staff with custom-logoed Fox 40 whistles, gear, coaching boards, and more. Visit fox40shop.com and use the code CFP15 at checkout for 15% off of your entire order. Oh, Michael. Week three in the Canadian Football League is over.
1: It's over and we saw what we'll get to in the podcast a little bit later with Nate. Um Rourke is looking good.
0: R- Rourke mania. I don't know what now, we're going to call this, but it's something.
1: And listen, we, we, we give Rourke his props, but there is one thing that you got to understand in pro football is that, you know, you're going to have good games and you're going to have some bad games. And it's just a matter of time. And I'm not saying he's going to have a horrible game because we don't hope that right. MOP seasons that none of that happens, but when it gets a little bit in the lower games, right. Not as good as what he was doing. It'll be interesting to see how he bounces back. And that's what I'm most interested about. Right. Because I mean, you look at a lot of these good quarterbacks that are around the league, right. Trevor Harris, Vernon Adams, Zach Laros, Bo Levi Mitchell, right. Soley Dane. And it hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows their entire career right and that's part of them growing and that's part of them being good quarterbacks in this league and it'd be interesting to see that you know the way bc's playing right now if they have a rough game how they bounce back how it looks and if they just kind of continue on with what they're doing
0: Yeah, their first two games have been blessed by the football gods in a lot of ways, including James Butler goes down with a head injury. Sounds like he's okay. Same with Bolo Combo going into week four here against Ottawa on Thursday night. So hopefully they'll they'll both play and whatnot, because that's a little scary. But you throw in your fullback, David Mackey, (laughs) who goes 16 carries 90 yards. And it's like, can you guys do anything wrong through the first right. two weeks? It's like that, <laughs> right. that's, that is not a thing that happens. We recently just saw this in the Calgary Hamilton game where I believe it was only Kadim Carey that was dressed at running back and he goes down and they have to play Charlie power. Who's been a running back in his past at the university of Saskatchewan. And at times since spot duty for Calgary, but really he's a fullback and he goes in and it's like, they run the ball once the entire time that he's in the backfield playing quote unquote running back. So For them to be able to go 16 carries 90 yards with Mackie, I was just laughing because I'm like, they can't do anything wrong, it seems like at this point. But I I will say, I was laughing today in an email, a series of email chains I was on for CFL.ca content production stuff, where it's, this is Monday that we're recording this, okay? So everybody's like back at their desk or working remotely or whatever. Everybody's got
1: their ideas. They're like, okay,
0: okay, here we go. Here's what we're going to do for the week. I, in five minutes between 9.30 and 9.35 this morning, got emails that said, hey, Marsh, can you write an article about the status of Canadian quarterbacks uh, with Rourke as kind of like the main theme. I got another that said, hey, Marsh, can you do the sit down with Nathan Rourke? We really need to get him on camera in Ottawa before the game on Thursday. And the third one I got was from the CFL, uh, video actually i have four emails because the third one i got was from kyle scott saying can you write and voice a nathan rourke essay that we can run on social on thursday and the fourth was lucas barrett comes from the cfl saying i need your vote for because i vote for the players of the week each week and Rourke obviously needed to be in that inclusion and he said wow clean sweep for nathan rourke when he saw my votes come in and i said yep let's see how sick we can make people of Nathan Rourke before we actually get yeah, the week four, right? For because real, it's it's like, and it's Let it the is, kid play. It's absolutely everywhere, <laughs> and I think, but this is what we have to take with a grain of salt on this stuff, is like, would you rather have it the way it often is, where nobody gives a damn, or would you rather have overkill? My fear, obviously, is because I'm a bit counterculture, typically, when I'm looking at these things, when people zig, I try to zag in a lot of my coverage and different stuff, and my fear is that we do make people sick of him. And then people like, I've even seen it on the broadcast. Like, are they even watching the game or are they just here to celebrate yeah. Rourke? Right. Like the commentary on those things. So we have to be careful of that on Thursday where and we are not doing to it. Realize, too much. but
1: and people have to realize that we get into it in the podcast with the Tay, but we have to realize that a lot of this is the whole team.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Right. And yes, obviously everything's gonna live and die with the quarterback that's there, but the defense is playing well, right? Like we talk about the O-lines getting better. The offensive coordinators really dialing some stuff up because receivers are running wide open, right? Mm-hmm. And the CFL, when they are running that wide open, it's either somebody fell down or they dialed something up, the game plan that defense and and was able to exploit it that early in the season, right? Game two. But it is it's interesting to see how much people are attacking this Rourke situation because you just, he's a young guy and you just like, man, let this guy play. Let's the yeah. guy play football.
0: Yeah. I agree. I agree. So we'll talk more with Nate J coming up in just a couple of minutes about that. Let's bounce around just for a few minutes here on the rest of the league. Thursday night, thirty-seven, thirteen, Montreal at home mm-hmm. slaps around the Riders. For me watching this game, and it's hard to tell because he always has a little bit of a, if you want to call it a hitch and you're giddy up when he's running around but Fajardo looked hurt to me and like he got hit I think he got sacked like six seven eight times something like that he got danged he had to run around like he just he looked exhausted by the third quarter of this game and they tried their best and Duke Williams made a sensational grab to make the score seem more respectable down the stretch but Montreal was far and away the better team on this night and I just I looked at Cody in that one and I was like man, the deep ball wasn't there, kind of looked like 2021. And he just looked like his legs were tired. And it made me concerned that he might already be dealing with something as we sat there in week three. But
1: And and it, that might be the case when you're getting hit that many times, right? Yeah. I mean, now you have to go into the air all the time because you're down big. And that's one of those games where, I mean, you look at the BC games, you look at that game, right? Any time you get blown out like that, like I've said before, it's it's three – phases of the game that's offense defense and special teams all one
0: yeah
1: for Montreal and so when you're in that situation as a sask and you're trying to get your you know crawl your way back into the game well you're going to put Cody in you know some tough situations where you know the defense is playing the pass so they're going to drop everybody or heat him up and he's going to either have to buy time with his legs and run around and if you're hurt it's not fun or you're just going to keep getting hit yeah. and you know early on yeah that is a concern if he has hurt but we don't know we don't yeah. know what it was and
0: there there was one specific player it was like he had taken a sack he had thrown a ball away and then it was kind of like late third quarter and the pressure was on and he just sat down and it just looked like he was like listen man I had enough of this for tonight like it's I'm I'm good like just tap me let's get off the field punt like whatever and it wasn't that he was giving up or he didn't want to be there he had bad body language that's not what i'm saying i'm not doing the skip bayless hot take of this guy's a quitter
1: it's just one of those nights
0: what i'm saying is like it was it was in montreal it was humid as could be and he was getting hit a ton and it just looked like his body was like i've had enough let's regroup like we can come back and figure this out a different day but um then hamilton against winnipeg uh (laughs) i will say and mike i know for a fact if i had this emotion you must have had this emotion them, I I saw they were going to wear their white uniforms at home because they're the ones that they wore in both the Grey Cups. I didn't think I thought it was just like a weird rub it in thing. When I actually saw the opening kickoff of the jersey matchup of the all black tie cats uniforms against the white tops in Winnipeg, I actually had flashbacks to <laughs> the to the twenty because I was on the sidelines for both of those Grey Cups. And uh, it and then the amazing thing is that like Willie Jefferson hasn't had a great start to the season. Jackson Jeff Jeffcoat has been dinged, missed a game, came back, and it's had his impact in week two against Ottawa. But those guys are the heart and soul of their defense, and they haven't been great. But something about playing against the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Jeff Jeffcoat had a couple of knockdowns, a couple of pressures. Willie has a sack. He has a pick six. Uh, those bad bounces that plagued, yeah. you, that plagued you guys in those gray cups, specifically on passing plays, you get two balls that are thrown directly into the chest of Dun Stephen Dunbar. And they bounce off of him 10 feet, the other direction into, into interceptions. It just looked like, you know, I talk about Fajardo just being physically exhausted. It looked like Dane just couldn't believe that it was happening again, against that Winnipeg group that he had to deal with in, I mean, for a, a great cup and a half, I guess we'll call it.
1: Yeah. And he's, he's kind of been dealing that, dealing with that a little bit, right? Like, you know, you'll look at Hamilton right now and you'll say, okay, turning the ball over a lot, but it's, it's weird things like that. You know what I mean? It's hitting the receivers right in the hands. It's a bad breaks that you don't really see happen. They're in games, but the problem with this Winnipeg one is, you know, they just ran into a defense that is playing really well. And those guys are tough to stop. And, and the other thing that I said is, you know, when you're trying to get pressure on the quarterback, right, you either need a front four that is going to absolutely light it up right? Because then that way it'll help you. You can actually drop people in coverage. You can play. If Zach has all the time in the world, which he was on some of those plays, it's going to be easy for him. So all he's doing is he's waiting until you heat him up. He knows that at some point he's going to have to get heat up. And that's when you see him go downtown to Ellingson, go downtown to Demski. And those are the big plays they're looking for. So again, it's just like, it's one of those things where you watch the game and it's just like, oh my God, can these guys catch a break? (sighs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we got to be able to knock one of these balls down. I keep saying we bias. Yeah. yeah. Let me, let me just do this, but.
0: <laughs> well, when you um, spend a decade of your life being we, <laughs> it's kind of cool. hard to shut it off. So.
1: And I, and I, and I feel for those guys because man, it's like, let's catch a friggin' break, man. Like Steven Dunbar, one of the best receivers in the league and that's going to happen to him. Right. And, and it's going to bounce and make a pick and to come with some of those bombs, it's, you know, they're going to come down with it against good players. It's. It's a tough one to watch, man. It's tough. It's a tough world that they're in right now because I know they're back in their locker room looking at each other, like, oh, again, what can we do to fix this? It seems like it's on every situation here.
0: Yeah. And it's the one that jumped out to me when I, cause I was away camping over the weekend is that I, I open up the box score. You know, I get emailed the final stats and I always love kind of going in blind After not seeing the game and just going, if I just look at the numbers, can I tell how this game played out? Because sometimes the numbers will deceive you, and sometimes they'll tell the truth. Mm -hmm. And I've watched the game through now. I've tracked it and analyzed it and all this stuff. But the first thing that jumped out when I just looked at the raw numbers was Stephen Dunbar. 15 targets. Yeah. He had 15 targets. Like, Dane had 42 attempts, which is a little bit higher than the league average. It's usually somewhere in around, like, 33 to 36. He had 42 attempts because they were trying to throw to get back into it. Sean Thomas Erlington was the lead back, only had six carries the whole night. But he that's had,
1: what's got to change.
0: Right. But it, it, and it was so it was 15 targets, only six catches. And that's when I was like, oh, if that was his main guy and he's completing 35% of his passes to him, I'm like, that's got to be a main part of how that game went. And sure enough, I watched it and it played a big role.
1: And well, that's the thing. So, you know, and we even touch on this in the podcast, but. What's going to end up happening is teams are going to see that and they're going to say, okay, they're going to number eight. Yeah. They're going to Steven Dunbar. They're going to throw the ball to him. It'd be interesting to see who's number two on that team in targets, but I'm going to guess it's either Tim White or Sean Thomas Erlington.
0: Yes, it right? was Tim White, eight targets, six catches.
1: And, and all you're going to do is you're going to say, okay, we're going to roll the coverage to these guys. Wherever they show up, we are going to roll the covers to these guys. We are going to make them run the ball or beat us, you know, in in their case to the field side or or wherever those other receivers are going to be. Because if you're going to sit there and try to go at these guys all the time, we're not going to let you do it, right? And that's what you're going to start seeing. So what you have to see is this offense evolve a little bit. And listen, I've been in that room with Tommy. I've been in that room with O and they know that before anybody else knows that. Right. They've already seen this. They already know where they're going to go with it. And it's just about executing. It's just about getting them to, to kind of get going. But, I mean, they trade for an O-lineman because they have injuries there, right? They trade for an American O-lineman, which you don't really see too often, but they need help, mm-hmm. and they need to be able to run that ball. But, yeah, it's tough, man. It's it's frustrating watching you feel for them because you're like, come on, man, we got to catch a break. You know what I mean?
0: Uh, Hamilton's next game coming up this Friday will be against Edmonton. So uh, perhaps a respite there considering how Edmonton has looked throughout the start of the season, although against Calgary, which was the third game of the weekend, they did. They held their own. They had the halftime lead, I believe. And yeah, I I mean, if you're Hamilton, you got to get in the wind column at some point here because Montreal did the thing to Saskatchewan. Uh, Toronto's not going to be asleep at the wheel like they were against BC for very long you would think although Toronto does have to play against Winnipeg um, (laughs) which is a Monday July 4th game uh, which I kind of wondered why we were doing a Monday July 4th I'm like I feel like Rod Black for our friends in the United States uh, watching on ESPN2 (laughs) you can enjoy Independence Day football with Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat (laughs) um, so we'll see how that plays out But uh, yeah
1: yeah, what I am looking forward to is you know Getting a Tay on this podcast, it was really nice because, you know, he kind of he was the first guy that I had seen start to do this podcast mm-hmm. world as a CFL player, right? And not really knowing him, playing against him a bunch, you know, he I always knew about him growing up. He you know he kind of went from he kind of did the Rourke route, mm. right? Went from the Canadian high school and switched over, went down to the state to play his college ball, ended up getting drafted to the CFL had a good career but it's good to get them on because I would like to see more people hop on these podcasts. I mean everybody does a podcast but like we talk about the biggest thing that draws people to sports is the behind the scenes conversations, right? The ESPN 30 for 30. It's like that's why those are so big because it's a different perspective than what you get to see on TV. Yeah. And what he's doing and then what we're trying to do here is the same thing and you're seeing it pop up more and more and more, right? I think it's just another good insight like we've talked about with the behind the R, right? Yeah. Another good insight into these players. So it's not here, here's Nathan Rourke, Nathan Rourke, Nathan Rourke at you. And it's, Hey, look at these other players, right? Let's talk to Derek Dennis. Let's get a behind the scenes with Trevor Harris that Nate has on to, so that we can, you know, see the inner workings and what his mind works like instead of having just little snippets of, yeah. Hey, so how'd you think your offense played today? <laughs> and what'd you see out there on that touchdown pass? And he's sitting there like, yeah, you know, I saw the defense roll over and I threw the ball up and I've done this a hundred times and that's what we practice. and I'm really thankful for my coaches, really thankful for the players. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? So I think things like Nate, that's Nate is doing, I, I, I really respect it and I hope more and more people just do this so we can build the brand of CFL.
0: I agree. Uh, let's dive into it. Here is Natea Jay in his own words on the Daily News here on Canadian Football Perspective. <laughs> All right, when Mike and I started thinking about podcast ideas we knew we wanted to do something together uh this person was actually the first person that we mentioned and it wasn't because we were greatly inspired by his work in digital media which we are uh but it was more so because i have one child mike has two nate has what 14 are we at now <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey
2: i'm getting there i'm getting there <laughs> uh,
0: but we we were talking about we're like man it's tough doing the stuff that we're trying to do you know when your time restrictions and all the rest and i remember talking to you at great cup and you being yeah. like is it four? Three, three. okay i wasn't sure if you just had your third or just had your fourth but i was like man the amount of work and stuff that you're able to pump out and say with that running around the house we literally said we need to start doing just a dad podcast around the cfl with all of the dads because you were the one that i thought of first and (laughs) foremost so as a weird intro but thank you for being here and making time is what i'm trying to say because i know that your life is very hectic.
2: I appreciate it, man. So I'm on the podcast with two of McMaster's finest, and I could not say no when uh, Mike sent out the invite, but I appreciate that. You know, it is a lot of hard work, man. Marshall, I see you posting stuff with your son. Uh, Mike, I know you got two kids as well, and, you know, the days are so short. It seems like you're just trying to make it to bedtime every single day. So uh, no, I appreciate uh, being on with you guys and you guys make the time as well
1: hey and it's funny you say that too because you know me and my wife we always talk about 7 30 that's the golden hour as soon as they go to as soon as they go to bed at 7 30 we are free yeah and it's like okay i want to do this 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 10 o'clock rolls around i'm like oh my oh my god i gotta go to bed man this is too much work (laughs) so that's why we do this at night kids are sleeping got some free time but hey i want to i do want to thank you for coming on because you were the first you were the first name we brought up to bring on and It's crazy because, you know, you and I, we knew of each other, right? Just by playing against each other. And I feel that's kind of the way the CFL goes. Yeah. But then you start up the all ball podcast,
2: right? And did
1: you start that up while you were still playing?
2: I was, I wasn't officially retired at the time. It was during the COVID, uh, right before the COVID season hit. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I was, you know, we're all hearing the rumors. There might not be a season and all those things. I'm like, what am I going to do? Man, I, I like talking to guys in the locker room. I like, you know, hearing guys' stories. Let's, let's start up a podcast, right? So that's kind of when it started. And just like you, I know it's, it's been a lot of fun just to, you know, connect with the guys and, you know, bring to life all those stories that you hear, you know, in training camp or, you know, the first time meeting guys, all their amazing backgrounds and bring it to life and let people get to experience that.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of the, you know, the beauty of what we're doing right now because, you know, you, you brought up and you see it happen in the NFL, right? You like, you see the Pat McAfee show, you see yeah. the busting with the boys type stuff, which is pretty cool because it gives you that little bit of insight, right? The I am athlete is another great one yeah. that they just talk about the locker room stories and you see people like, they, they, you know, they flock to it. Because yeah. It's like, man, this is kind of what we're missing. So then you look at the CFL and you're like, and there's none of this, yeah. there's none of this shit going on. So then I see you start up your all ball podcast. And I'm like, wow, man, that's actually a really good idea. Yeah. So then as soon as, as soon as the season was over, I'm like, that would be fun to do, man. Just get some friends on, talk about what people don't see in the background. Right. And yeah. I think people are drawn to, and kind of what the CFL is, you know, lacking at this point, would you yeah. say?
2: I, I agree 100%. And it's so funny, I go back to you know me, we were talking on uh, on Twitter. And you're like, what time? What time is good for you? It had you're like, it has to be after eight. And I'm like, that's what I was gonna say. Because after eight <laughs> yeah. is when, when I do all my stuff. So I'm like, you know, so that that was kind of cool. But no, you're right. The CFL is kind of missing, you know, those type of podcasts, that type of access. And I would argue that some of the funniest stories, some of the funniest players, some of the biggest characters are in the CFL. And that's just what the league is missing to just you know the ability to bring those stories to life and have fans truly see the characters of these guys because you know I always think like we have some of the best athletes in the world in the CFL some of the best characters like I played with a guy that you know comes to mind Adarius Bowman like Adarius Bowman is the fun he's funnier than Chris Rock Chris Tucker <laughs> all those guys I swear <laughs> but no one knows that because you know you know you don't have that much access right and that was kind of what I was thinking when starting the podcast is like. Man, if a guy like Adarius Bowman could just show his character, people would fall in love with him. So, you know, I, I'm happy you're doing it. The it's a great name, the Daily News. I don't know who who came up with that name. <laughs> Marshall? No, oh okay. no, okay. no,
1: I'll give it, it was Tycon Underwood.
2: Oh Tycon, Tycon Underwood was the first character. one ever.
1: Yeah. And it was it as soon as you said, I was like well, I got to kind of take that. I think I yeah. asked him, I was like, Hey, can I take that from you? I think that's yeah. mine. Right. He's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, you yeah. Get it. intellectual property. I, I <laughs> want to ask you to tell you about this though, because I was actually listening to a podcast that was, I don't know, an hour and a half long, a couple of weeks ago, specifically about what Draymond was doing in, in the NBA. And I know that everybody looks at that as kind of the model of whether you're a current player or a, yeah. a recently retired player, otherwise that you're, you want to be able to use your voice, your platform. You want to be able to tell stories that you feel like are underserved by other places But I'm so intrigued by the idea that, yeah, we all understand you guys are bringing these things to life, and there is real true value in that for fans. People listen to your All Ball podcast, they listen to the Daily News, and they love it because it is a different perspective. But what do you think is the real long-term value in the effect on the actual media landscape? Because I know you're somebody who's interested in the business itself as well. I, I just think that this is such a revolution in the way that people are getting their storytelling that I don't know. And again, I'm somebody who works for the CFL and TSN. I don't know in 10 years, whether or not people are going to be going to linear platforms like cable television in order to get their storytelling. You're not going to go to websites of the rights holders to get your storytelling a lot, because there's going to be so much of this and so much high quality content that I just don't, I think people will be able to search out the things that they are interested in. I wonder how you feel about that.
2: No, I agree with you. And long-term, I think it's it's going to just, you know, it, just more of it is going to come become available. There are going to be more players that see an opportunity to, you know, bring their voice out. I know Draymond Green initially was getting some heat because, you know, literally minutes after a game, he's getting in scuffles. He's going right to the <laughs> mic and, you know, telling people exactly what happened. But I'm interested. I want to know what, you know, him and Grant Williams were arguing back and forth about. I want to know what he's talking to the rest about. And I can't get that... A- By Just by watching NBA on TNT. And I love that show. But I want to get that firsthand experience unfiltered from Draymond. And he's taking the heat, uh, a little bit of the heat so that guys in, in, in in the future could, you know, come on and feel no ways about, you know, sharing their stories and will be more desensitized to it. But I agree, it's going to change the landscape long term. Um, but I think there's going to be a collaboration that's going to happen between these networks and these athletes where, um, these media companies are going to pay guys to, you know, go on that type of venture. And, you know, while they're actively playing, I know, I think Vince Carter was the one, the first guys I knew that had a podcast that was playing in the NBA and, it was it it was unheard of, but he was never really saying much, right? He would be like, Oh man, we had a long road trip, my legs are tired. He was an older player. We get but... it, Vince,
0: you're 40. Yeah, you get it. Yeah, can't we get it. Yeah. He's like, Yeah, hey, I don't
2: even like Duncan anymore. My knees hurt. But when you get guys that are really interesting, like Draymond, whether you agree with him or not, right. it's just it's just like it's just fun to watch that perspective. And you know he's gonna say, you know, whatever's on his mind. So yeah, I think it's going to be, it's, it's actually great for fans because they're getting, you know, different types of perspectives. They're getting, you know, unfiltered stuff. And I think there's going to be a big time collaboration in the future with, um, with, with these big networks and these athletes.
1: Well, and it's funny to hear people complain about it too, right? Like, oh, he's not focused on the game. Oh, he's not, you know, he's not prepping like yeah. he should be all that kind of stuff. But it's like, and do you know how many video games guys play? Oh, my if God. If they, hey. you know what I mean? Like, hey. just substitute an hour right there to do a yeah. podcast and build up your brand. And then...
0: It is pretty wild when you think about it, though. Like, just hearing you explain the fact that, like, Draymond gets ejected. Yeah. And he's he's literally sprinting to his yeah. podcast equipment because he knows <laughs> if I release this within the next hour, I'm going to do maximum Numbers. downloads. Like, crazy. Yeah. And for me, like, Mike, we talked with Derek Dennis about this the idea that he gets slaps on the wrist all the time in Calgary because they're yeah. like, Hey, on Twitter, on social, stop, do, stop doing, stop doing that shit. Like, stop. And he's like, I'm just being honest. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just telling yeah, people honestly, it. and, it, but it's so great because it's like, how is Draymond allowed to do that? Like he's carved out something there yeah. that has pushed the boundary where it's not social media. It's a digital pod. It's digital audio. It's podcast. But now it's like, if I think of a good example here, um, you know, Calgary against Hamilton, Mm -hmm. where the the Ticats collapse and Bo Levi storms back. And it's like, if Simone has a podcast... I would listen. Right, but if he goes to a microphone and he honestly, that night, records and releases something that says, here's how we fell apart. Here's Mm -hmm. what went wrong. Here's what was frustrating. There's what we did wrong against Calgary in the second half. It's like, will that be the evolution? I hope for the CFL it is, but at the same time, I could totally see teams and the league itself being terrified yeah. of that and yeah. putting things in contracts saying, listen, we used to try and limit you on social. Now we have to limit you on digital podcast production. Yeah, yeah But that's no, the whole 30
1: it, for 30 thing, right? Yeah. And that's why people love that 30 for 30, but now you're getting it per game per person. Like that's, that's the best part of it. But I, I think you're right at some point, right? Cause I'm you, they do, they try to do that day one of training camp for yeah. us. Mm-hmm. They say, Hey, listen, these are the examples you shouldn't do. These are the examples you should. And, you know, make sure you don't say anything. No no bulletin board material. And you're just sitting there, you're like, Man, okay, I guess I won't talk to
2: anybody. <laughs> <laughs> right. It starts even back in college. I remember back in college, especially when social media was starting to heat up, they were so like they were on our backs about between anything, any kind of advantage you'd give an opponent. And even now, like if Simone went on, you know, after the game and started talking about the comeback and the things they're doing on defense, it would be a strategic advantage for the next team uh, yeah. that would be listening. Because you know, Mike, you know these coaches—they're watching every interview, every press conference, everything. The Twitter, they're monitoring everything just to get a slight edge, right? So they, I bet you all the coaches, except for the players on their team, they would love for guys to be talking uh, just so they can get more information.
1: It's true, too, because, like, coaches will come in, eh? They'll be like, yeah, <laughs> we saw, you know, Montreal Alouettes. They posted a video of them pricing, yeah. and, uh, you know, Gino Lewis was in running shoes. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's going this week, guys. <laughs> and then they're like, okay, yeah. yeah, he's not going. So if he's not going, then this guy's going to go here, this right. guy's – and you're like, guys, you just did running run and on a video. <laughs> get out of here. Oh, it's, man. it's hilarious because they really do. But, I mean, and then, you know, the other awesome thing that you got going on is you get Trevor Harris on after a game, right? And, you know, Marsh and I talked about this for a little bit with Ver- the Vernon Adams-Trevor Harris situation, yeah. right? And I want to get your take on this. But- yeah. Cause you've been in this situation, I'm sure before where it's like, you know, it's a toss up between a couple of guys. You can mm. see some guys are getting some playing time and they get pulled and it's, it's this weird carousel, right. Which is super unstable for both of those players in that situation. Right. So you see somebody like Vernon who's, you know, kind of struggled a little bit maybe. Yeah. Right. And then you have a backup like Trevor who's able to go in and play and now you get him on that podcast to kind of break it all down, which yeah. is huge, right? Huge because people want to listen to that. What's yeah. Trevor Harris thinking as this is going on, right? But it's just such a weird world, and it's it's awesome that you get him on there, right?
2: Yeah, I I love it so much because you know, core hot quarterbacks are, right. They're literally the CEO of every team. They know what's going on every, in every room and every, um, every, all the conversations. Right. So, and they always get the information before everybody else. Marsh, you know that when you were at Mac, you are getting all the info of practice times. <laughs> and when the bus was leaving, when you guys are having meals, all that information early. So no, I love having him on because it, like, I can literally talk about, uh, with him, uh, every situation happening in the CFL, but his situation has been pretty like hot button topic because yeah. that's a real live co- quarterback controversy going on. And, you know, the thing about Trevor is he, he, you know, obviously he's playing in the league and he doesn't want to give away any secrets, but you know, off air, he's telling me everything going on. And, <laughs> and obviously I won't be- betray his trust, but I think for him right now, he's in a really good situation where uh Kahari, you know, trust him to run, you know, the play is exactly how it's called Um, and he hasn't told me this This is just my observation because just just by watching Marsh I know you've seen a lot of it too but you know it's it's a big luxury to have a quarterback like a Trevor Harris um, because you know he's going to be locked in he doesn't need a ton of rest to be ready and when you call his number he's going to give your team a spark because he's Mm -hmm. seen exactly what you're missing out on that field so you know Vernon unbelievable talent in this league you know that uh, uh, Mike from facing him and You know, the thing is, but Trevor told me he's going to be a great quarterback in this league for a long time Uh, right now. And later this season, they might go back to him. But right now, I think they're rolling with Trevor. um, And and I think Kahari likes the way things are going right now. And, you know, it's hard not to when they just, you know, put on a performance like that against Saskatchewan. But Trevor, you know, on the podcast, he tells me, man, I'm seeing it really well. Uh, He's got a bunch of stuff that he's done in the offseason. And for whatever reason, you know, these hash marks are helping him. And he's seeing <laughs> <laughs> and he's, seeing, he's seeing yeah. the field really well right now. And his offense kind of suits him, especially when they get stand back back, a uh, big time running threat, this offense really suits uh, his ability. So, you know, we might be seeing a lot more of Trevor, but, you know, back to your original point, it's really fun having uh, an active player, especially a player in that position, where I can ask him questions about things I'm watching and he'll have the answer right away. I asked him about plays that other team run and why they run them and where the ball was supposed to go. And uh, he's able to have all those answers for me. Even we even talk about Nathan work a lot. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's been really fun, man. And, you know, it's uh, I definitely don't take it for granted. Trevor's a good dude.
1: And it's tough. It's, you know, it's funny because the Nathan Rourke thing, right? Everybody's going to start rooting for him because he's Canadian, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's step number one. Number two, he's new guy to get in there. It's tough for new quarterbacks to get yeah. in there and do well, but it's, it's, you know, I have this kind of bias and I always have for the, all the time I played and all that kind of stuff is as much as you don't want to root for other guys on the team Yeah, when they're Canadian and you see that they're balling out. Oh yeah. You're like, yeah man this is because yeah, because listen and part of the reason I wanted to get you on here too is you are one of the only receivers that's able to play special teams well <laughs> all right so that's step <laughs> I number to, one I respect to. there respect <laughs> there and then step number two that's when you start looking around the league right when you're in it and you see these Canadians that are playing yeah. well and I think what Rourke is doing is amazing because what it's going to do is it's going to open up a window for all these other Canadian quarterbacks, right? Like a guy like Trey Ford, just sitting there waiting his time. Right. But it is amazing to watch Rourke and and what he's doing. Like what, what do you think is making him so good? You know what I mean?
2: I mean, Marshall could probably speak about this better than me, but I think he, the dedication to the craft, you can really see it on game day and you know, I asked Trevor why you know why he thought work was good, and he says that the way he's processing you know defenses really quickly and and getting to his second, third, fourth read and knowing where to go uh, with the ball on time, footwork is perfect every single time, mechanics are perfect every single time. You can tell that he put in the hours you know needed to be successful. And the stuff about reading the defenses amazes me because. There are guys that play four or five years in the CFL and still don't get it. And I don't understand why he's so good at it because he played at the University of Ohio and this is really just his second year in the Canadian system. So I know, I respect him so much because I know he's putting hours and hours and hours in that film room. Um, You know, last year he got to watch one of the best quarterbacks ever in Michael Riley uh, play the position. So that definitely helped him, but it's on him, man. It's on him, Jordan Maximic. You know, I we had him in Edmonton. Really calculated guy. I don't know if you guys have watched um, the movie, uh, no, the the series on Netflix, uh, Money Heist. And yes. uh, okay, the professor—that's Jordan. That's Jordan, <laughs> Jordan Maximic because he will set stuff up, for, like in the first quarter, first half. You know, just so you see it, just so in the second half. Uh, it, it's wide open. Everything he does is for a purpose. And I think they're perfect for each other. Um, work, man. He's just, he's a machine, man. Like you watch him throw the ball and he's got that, it looks like electricity through his body. I'm a big fan. It was tough watching him t- dice up the Argos, man. So <laughs> it, 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 that was tough watching, but you know, like you talk about when you see a Canadian balling, you're like, Oh man, let's go. And I've never seen a Canadian quarterback play like this. Um, I don't know if you guys have, like, I'm, I'm good friends with Brandon bridge, but he was not on this level where he's beating you, you know, you no, know, he looks like anybody else. Like if Vernon Adams or bully Mitchell had this first two games to start a season, you'd be like, yeah, MOP put him in the MOP race. Right. So I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing. And, you know, funny story. I was, I was talking to a buddy of mine before the season. I'm like, how do you think work is going to do? And he was like, "Ah, oh, you know, um, you know, last year he didn't really show me much. Let's 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 see him in you know in, in a CFL season where he's the number one guy and teams can prepare for him. And then after the first game, I'm like, okay, he looks good. How do you think he did? He's like, ah, oh, you know, it's just Edmonton. Let's see him. Let's see him against a real defense. And then after week two, I'm like." that Toronto's a real defense. He's, like, he's yeah. like, ah, you know, let's see him on the road. <laughs> it's always, I, yeah. Yeah. He's at home. Let's see him on the road. I'm like, buddy, what are you yeah. going to say next? You want to see him play one arm tied behind his back with a blindfold? Like, just admit that this guy is a baller. You know, he's shown – obviously, it's early, and you don't want to crown anyone early, but the stuff he's shown early, it just – it tells me that he's going to be successful. And one more thing, on the broadcast, they were like, he says he 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 saw the effect that having children and we we can relate to this uh, had on Michael Riley and you know the commitment he had to make off the field and things like that. And he was like, he's even considering delaying that decision to have canceled uh, after his career. I'm like, buddy, first of all, you might want to talk to your significant other before right. you make that decision. But live man, you on are TV. Yeah. In. <laughs> yeah, live on TV. But you are locked in your crap. There's somebody's talking like that, but they, they love football so much and the process so much that they're willing to take off something that gives people a tremendous joy. Um, it just tells me this guy's destined for a, a bright future, and if he keeps playing like this, I don't know if we're going to enjoy him much in the CFL. He might be you know, heading down oh, south. That, so. that
0: killed me. I, I heard Dave Naylor on TSN 1050 today <laughs> doing an interview talking about his NFL exploits and the chance that he'll get because he's only 24. I'm like, can we just enjoy it? <laughs> yeah. Jesus, we, like, have, we haven't <laughs> had a quarterback that's Canadian that's of this quality in so yeah. long that's getting a real chance, and immediately people are like, actually, yeah. you know what? He's Jesse Palmer, so he's going to be <laughs> i'm like no like let, let us enjoy i'll uh i'll just use this chance because this is the daily news and the tj is our special guest no. i don't need to talk wax poetic about him forever i'll just promote- no, please do I no, love no, i'm, stuff, I'm saying on the breakdown dt and i will dive into that this week and I'm, we'll yeah. give this a really close look at what he's doing the one thing i would just say is that when you mention the drive that he has the mechanics the the consistency of performance that trevor has noticed on him uh, when you look at this dude's life story it is all about commitment to excellence and commitment to challenging himself and credit to his parents and credit to him developing this mindset because i went into this season just like the friend that you're talking about i went into this season legitimately concerned
2: mm-hmm. like in Me the pre-
0: in the preview going into week 1 i think i said on the breakdown i was like i'm just scared i'm just scared because i don't know what Edmonton's going to do i know chris jones is going to be aggressive i want him to stay healthy i want this to be a thing but I was just so nervous for him. But you look back, it's like he grows up in Oakville. He goes to Holy Trinity. That's because he knew that was going to be the best football school. So right. he goes there. He, he ends up essentially winning off in his grade 11 a year, I think, or maybe grade 12. And he's like, well, I've reached the mountaintop in Ontario. I got to go somewhere else. He yeah. moves to Alabama. His mom moves down to Alabama with him in order to be able to get him the access that he needs and to settle in and to have somebody there. He goes from there, doesn't get a division one scholarship offer goes out to the Jayhawk conference to play Juco in Kansas. Yeah. He battles there for a year. Then he ends up getting a couple looks basically like, I think it was Akron and Ohio. When I interviewed him a couple years ago, where he said they were my only offers. Yeah. He goes to Ohio. He learns the playbook. He takes it on. He develops a relationship with the coaching staff. He becomes an all conference stud in division one and he, and you know, the Mac, yeah. And I tell you, like you know you know what the Mac is about. So it's like yeah. he goes there, he becomes an all-conference quarterback, he goes into a 2020 draft class, gets drafted, has a COVID season, spends the full year learning the playbook in the building, yeah. being around the coaching staff. Yeah, which is land, huge. lands behind Michael Riley in 2021, deals with the ups and downs of that, and then goes into an offseason where Riley retires kind of sort of unexpectedly, even to him. I heard him say recently. And then he's just like, Well, I'm just going to absorb the stress and the pressure that's around me. And just stay with my mechanics, and trust my process, and keep my heart rate low. And like, I have so much respect for him just because the Zen nature of his ability to do these things. It's a lifelong journey of him preparing yeah. himself for the things he's doing now. He didn't just drop out of the sky and set a Canadian passing record. Yeah. He's been building his way towards these things for over mm-hmm. a
2: decade, and I just love that. Yeah, no, like like you, Marshall. The the respect that you have for him because you know how hard it is to play quarterback and you know how hard it is to play quarterback at this level. And what I'm seeing is.
1: Hey, and is, especially when he played American football before yeah, that yeah. that's, that's, that's the craziest
2: part. And right? he went hmm. Canadian to American
0: back yeah. to Canadian. And he's just like, oh, I don't care. Extra guy, different skill set, different. And it's like the oh, other thing is the work. at Ohio, he was getting a ton of called running plays. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he comes up here and yeah, they mix that in three, four max times a game. The rest of yeah. it scrambles or whatever. And even like of him basically taking quarterback sneaks and just deciding, oh no, this, this <laughs> is an off tackle play now. He's right. like, I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to bounce go. off the edge. Uh, but I do love the idea that, yeah, he's gone through all of these different systems and it does not matter. He is so incredibly unfazed, even so this was funny. I tweeted this today after he had that week one performance. I was nervous again going into week two because I'm like, yeah. he's not going to do that again. <laughs> so so I wrote an entire article about like, hey, everybody relax. Don't expect week one to happen all the time. It's okay. Appreciate it for what it was. But you know, anytime you go to the movies to watch a sequel, Top Gun notwithstanding, uh-huh. uh, anytime you go to see a sequel, it's always worse. Like if you love Anchorman, Anchorman 2 was mm-hmm. a great time, but it was objectively worse. If you love Toy Story, by the time that they got to Forky or Sporky or whatever in, T- in Toy Story 3, you're like, what are we doing here? we need to stop putting these out. (laughs) So I just kept telling people, Hey, like the sequel is never as good. Relax. Don't expect this. And then he goes out and does it again. So I'm I'm, the same as your friend that you're talking about. Yeah. I'm kind of at the point now where I'm like, I don't, I don't want to doubt him. He hasn't given me any reason to every single challenge he has been given in the last five years of his football career. He has answered the bell and proven everybody wrong. Who's doubted him. So why would we start doubting him?
2: he's you're right he's giving us no reason to and it's fun it's fun to watch him play man I don't remember last time I had uh, this much fun watching the quarterback play and I know he's Canadian and things like that but you strip everything away it's just fun to watch him play and that Mm -hmm. offense looks you know they're getting everybody involved that's like my you know getting people getting people wide open too (laughs) yeah come on yeah
1: you know what I mean and like we gotta we gotta give props to where it is and and Rourke is playing unbelievably but I mean, that's that's as much coaching as it is. That's as yep. much, you know, Burnham and, and all those guys getting open, well, too.
0: But And Kelly Bates, too, man, like because the, Bates, the, the line. offensive line, right, because they were in 2019. That was the worst offensive line that I've seen in my time covering the CFL. So you're talking mm-hmm. nine teams across the league times six years, right? Like you're dealing with 40 yeah. some odd clubs and it's like that. Yeah, that We was used
1: to best. watch film of just free runners <laughs> at Mike Riley.
0: Hey, that first game against Edmonton, Uh, Mike (laughs)
2: Riley faced Edmonton in Edmonton. We were teeing off on him. I didn't think he was going to make it out. I had an entire folder
0: in my 2019 CFL season folder on my computer labeled BC shitty (laughs) O-line. I still have it. I still have it. And it it was just me screen capping plays where I would watch it and I'd be like, the hell protection is this? So you're right. It is everybody. And I'll also say this, like dominique Grimes is going back to ottawa this week to play on thursday night football which by the way i'm calling that game Let's and I go. Can't, revenge I, game i can't believe they gave me a nathan rourke thursday night game I was, awesome. I was so pumped uh but dominique Grimes eight targets eight catches two yeah. touchdowns this past week and now he gets to go back to ottawa it's like that's revenge a game story. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> another
2: thing about the time i mean i'm watching nathan rourke and it looks like he has a chance to you know check his Twitter, check his Facebook, Snapchat, you know, all that, then throw the ball. I'm like, okay, that's like, the line is playing amazing. And then, you know, I talked to Trevor about this. It's like, yeah, man, if you give any quarterback that kind of time, he's going to look really good. He's like, I, yeah. the adjustment I want to see is when teams start to figure out how to get pressure on him and how he adjusts to that. So, I think that's the next step for work. Whenever he does face it, teams will try to get more pressure on him. And obviously, that's a cliche that goes around get pressure on the quarterback, attack the quarterback. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's that's why defensive linemen get paid so much because if you can get that constant pressure, you really change the game.
1: Well, and to be fair, Toronto probably has one of the best D line in the league right now. You
2: know him, yeah, right? Like JG out there, yeah. right?
1: Mike or Shane Oak- Ray Oakman, as yeah, well. Oakman, oh yeah, Oakman. Oh my gosh. But the but the thing is, is so the way it works, right? Is and you know this Tay, it's three games in. Yeah. is when you're going to start getting your information on offenses and on, on defenses, right? Yeah. They want to use a three game breakdown. That's how it always goes throughout the league. Yeah. And then that's when you start, you know, you hear the whole make them dribble left-handed, the Bill yeah. Belichick, you know nice. what I mean? Making all that kind of stuff, but, but that's what you see The thing is,
2: I'm, I'm thinking about work right now is like, I, I'm not seeing it, like deep balls look good. Intermediate stuff look good. Short passes are amazing. Then he can take off himself. Screen game is good. Like, like, what do you do to stop him? And I'm texting Trevor during the game. Like, yo, how did the, how's, what's Toronto need to do right now? He's like, they need to send pressure consistently. They send pressure and this guy's beating that too. So I want to, I really want to see where, where he could really go with this. And when teams start adjusting to him, because right now he has all the answers.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and they're doing such a good job at helping him out with it too. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, and that's what, honestly, what makes Zach the player he is oh, yeah. in Winnipeg too, is he's able to see that pressure fast. And, and I mean, you know, enough with offense, that's all you talk about, right. Is okay. What are we going to run? If there's yeah. no pressure, these are your routes. And then what are we going to run? If they heat us up, what are we going to yeah. check it to? And if you can have a quarterback that's in his first year, able mm-hmm. to see that and get the ball out to the right person, Teams, I'll tell you what: if you start doing that once or twice against the defense, they're gonna be like, "Man, I don't know if we can heat him up anymore. <laughs> this, <Yeah>. is, <laughs> this is a problem, right. right?
0: It's just too risky." If he, yeah, if he, to your point, if he can get to his hots, and and he can see it clearly then he is going to make people pay which is basically what they did with butler in week one like it was just yeah. a bunch of his average depth of target was 5.1 yards in the air in week one which is basically half of the league average and three <laughs> three times less than jeremiah masoli through the first two weeks of the season against winnipeg like masoli was averaging like 15 yards per target yeah and work was out there at 5.1 but i just looked <laughs> up the offensive line uh, this i i don't mean for this to be like such a negative so i'm sorry mm-hmm. if it comes off like that but either Kelly Bates is one of the best coaches on the planet or Brian Chu and the group that they had in there previously did an atrocious job because the personnel has not changed.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So like, cause I remember looking at Joel Figueroa in 2019 and being like, Jesus, he's done. Yeah. He fell off. And I was yeah. like, Nope. He's perfectly fine. Philip Norman left guard, been there for four years, only ever been a BC lion. Looks yeah. pretty good. Peter Godbear. They drafted him relatively young. I know he was injured one year. He's back. Looks great. Suk yeah. Chung, they signed him in free agency for 2019 to protect Michael Riley. Oh, but he's only a run blocker. Right. Said he couldn't pass block. He and, looks fine. You, you yeah. know this, too.
1: You know this, too. It depends on the coach yeah. and how easy they make it for the players. Yeah. If they allow the players to be a player or if they're going to make it difficult or the communication difficult, yeah. there's a lot that goes into a group, a, a collective group playing well.
2: Dude, I know this firsthand because Kelly was with us in Edmondson uh, in 2019. And uh, was it 2019? Yeah, 2019. So he goes over to, over to BC in 21, I think. He took over for Chu. And I, I remember seeing him when he came to Toronto. And I'm like, what'd you do? Like, what, what'd you have to do? It's like, these guys were thinking too much. Or right? I had to simplify. I had to simplify for the running backs and things like that. And it's so funny what happens to a player when he doesn't have to think. Uh, Mike, you know yeah. this. You just go out there and play and, and play football, and you can be your true self, right? When you're thinking, you're like half the speed. You look terrible. You put the greatest player in football and make him think, and he he's not going to be as good as you know he's supposed to be. So no, it's, uh, it's it works wonders when you get the right coach with the right communication and the right um, way to explain things to guys where they don't have to think when they get out there.
1: Yeah, and I've I always heard it too. You know, I had uh, Mark Washington was a uh, was one that said this to me, and he goes, They got some coach was like, Well, I told him a hundred times to do it this way. He's like, Well, better tell him a hundred and one times because he's not, <laughs> it's obviously not getting through. So, yeah. this is on you, buddy. Yeah, that, that reminds yeah.
0: me of the Tomlin quote from his interview on I Am Athlete this week with it kind of went viral. Great on interview, yes. by the oh, way. Awesome. Yeah. Great yeah, interview. So great. Where he's like, If you are questioning someone's ability to learn, you need yeah. to look at your teaching. Uh huh. Yeah. And
1: it's true, man. (laughs) That's it's it's crazy because football is one of those things where it's it's so simple, but we make it as difficult as can be. You know what I I mean? Like it's so simple, but we make it hard. And then if you make people think, it's just
0: unless just to bring this full circle before (laughs) we have to wrap up, unless you are Trevor Harris and you just go four by one and throw the ball as high as you can at Gino Lewis and he, <laughs> and, he, and he just keeps making great toe tap catches right. along the sideline like three four times a game I swear that is now half the offense for Montreal and I no. don't hate it I don't hate it no
1: you got Gino Lewis I'm throwing that Gino thing Lewis. up there too man
2: every time the contested catch king I'm like Trev that dude is unreal he's like Nate, you don't know how long these guys arms are so like when he looks yeah. covered and he just extends his arms almost like Draymond Green because he's like six six and he grabs all these rebounds it's exactly the same thing he was telling me so yeah he's loving life with gino lewis
1: yeah man well listen Nate, i gotta say thanks again for hopping on this we're done no we're done man we're done we want to keep it nice and short (laughs) but but i know we'll be talking with you as the season goes on and you know everybody go check out nate's all ball podcast listen to him on the cover too uh with the argos see what he's saying over there i mean you know boo argos but
2: i knew, that <laughs>
1: <laughs> you knew it was coming man you knew it was coming <laughs> oh,
2: that's awesome
1: but yeah uh, man i, I want to say thanks i really appreciate it it's awesome talking to you so we'll, we'll definitely do this again
2: yeah we have to man i was having so much fun i forgot i had to you know do some chores upstairs so no, i appreciate you guys having me Hamilton hamilton's Finals with Master finest i appreciate it uh, i look forward to getting back on with you guys soon